That's right. It's, it's that time, y'all. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and through your committed effort. My information that I am getting from my guests on Money Making Conversations have that same passion, and they share that information when we talk about their career, motivation, what they're promoting, and how they live a balanced life, ultimately sharing to all of us their secrets to success. The thing about social media and the power of social media is the relationship that I created with my next guest. We, we communicate through LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of my favorite uh, formats that I use on a regular basis. Um, my next caller is calling from Australia. She recently was featured in the Herald Sun, the Sydney Morning Herald, Domain Property, the Property Investor Magazine, Smart Investor, the Australia Newspaper, Money Magazine, and many other publications. She's an official advocate for White Ribbon. In this role, she speaks to men nationally to champion change for the prevention of violence against women and children. Her overall mission is to bring financial literacy to every woman in Australia in the hope that they will step into their rightful birthright of abundance and economic empowerment. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations from Australia, Marianne May. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's afternoon where we're at. And, and so it's, it's uh, oh, of course. And I, oh, I'm, good I'm feeling really good about the opportunities that we are having on the air right now. <laughs> and so tell us about, okay, first of all, I'm calling Australia. The, the big news in Australia had been the fires in Australia. Right. That yep. is, it has dominated yep. the news, to my understanding, that they're, they're starting to calm down, correct? Mm, correct. So um, we, uh, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, in the state of Victoria, and uh, for the first time ever, we were declared a state of uh, emergency that was pushed through parliament and government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's dominated the news, and it's affected, as you've read, our wildlife, and not only people, um, but we had unexpected rains. Right. which has helped the situation, mm-hmm. and things have definitely um, decreased in terms of the spread of fire. So it's great news. Well, you know, it's really uh, it's, it's sad that that can dominate news because you don't want it to dominate the news because basically when, when nature gets uh, abused in that manner, we, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we, all, we find out how helpless we are, okay? Uh, there's no magic switch that you can drop and it, the, it stops. And so, But the, the helpless part about it is the is the devastation to the wildlife. You know, that, that, that has been, Absolutely. The, that has been the, the I mean, uh, just, just hunger, uh, wild animals coming up because they're hungry. You know, they would normally mm-hmm. not come to, to civilians because they, they thirsty and they, they need some form of nourishment. And when they try to uh, take care of them, they die anyway. So yeah. when you, when you yeah. read about this that's going on, and I'm reading about it because it's part of being an entrepreneur because it affects business, it affects tourism, it affects so many ways, it affects housing, it affects how people look at things because they redirect their funds someplace else. And it can almost halt a, an economic uh, growth process in a country and especially in a city. So where are you mm-hmm. guys at right now from an economic standpoint in Melbourne, in Australia? 
Well, Melbourne is a really robust, you know, we're a, we're a major city, just right. like Sydney, Australia. Um, but we, you know, we always have this rivalry going on with Sydney, saying that we're better. <laughs> yes. Um, and Melbourne is forecasted to be the biggest and the strongest city over the course of the next decade. Our economy is robust and strong, but of course, these regional areas that we're now referring to, where we had in excess of 16 fires, um, they're, they're local regional economies, so they rely heavily on tourism spend to stay afloat. Um, but as far as the city of Melbourne, Australia goes, we're a robust, strong, dynamic economy. Cool. Now, your company, let's go personally start talking about you because I wanted to bring your brand <laughs> awareness, but I've, I've, I've been remiss to speak to somebody from Australia and not get an update. You know, I know them the first time, but Rashana, you know, you had her on the phone. You can say nothing like that. And so we've spoken about that. Now let's talk about you because it affects a lot of the things that are going on, your passion, your your mission statements. Now, the name of your company, the first name is your mother's name and your la- the last mm-hmm. is the la- the, also the last name of your father. Explain, give us your name of the company and then why did you do that? Yeah. So the company name is called Thalia Stanley Group. And essentially, when I was um, in my early 20s and starting my business career, um, unexpectedly, I lost both of my parents in my early 20s. And when I created this business model, I I wanted it to embody the spirit of both my mother and father because I intend to leave a very big legacy in terms of bringing financial literacy to all women and all girls across Australia. So... When we were sitting down and deciding on a name and the marketing people had all the ideas, all great ideas, um, I just knew that Thalia Stanley was what um, I wanted to embody and that was the qualities and the values and the characteristics of both my parents in doing this work. That means it's a passion. So I also read that you are a champion for shining the spotlight on the homelessness in Australia. (laughs) Yes, I am. Um, we have, not like any other um, Western country around the world, uh, a homeless epidemic here in Australia. And in fact, women over the age of 55 are our fastest growing demographic of homelessness in this country. Um, last year, late last year, I was officially appo- appointed as an ambassador for the international organization St. Vincent de Paul Society. Um, and every year we have what's called a CEO sleepout, where the heads right. of major corporations sleep out on the street to raise money for homelessness. Um, and we raise substantial money, like in the tens of millions. And so um, for the last three years, I've done that CEO sleepout and raised money for homelessness. And then last year, the organization offered me a position as an official ambassador. Um, and some of the work that I do directly relates to trying to prevent women over 55 uh, becoming homeless. Now, when is that done? The, uh, has it just wrapped the third, uh, the, the winter sleep out for the CEOs? Has that wrapped? Has it what? Sorry? Have, have you completed it already or is it coming up? So, so what happens is, yes, yeah, so we do it every year. And in the middle of winter, they pick the absolute coldest, wettest day. And that's <laughs> the day that we sleep out. So that's coming up in... Um, I think June or July, so a little while to go. Okay, um, okay. And we, and we do it in the middle of winter to get appreciation of what it must be like for somebody to be displaced and homeless living on the street in, that, in those conditions. So I will tell you this, Miss um, Mays, uh, our relationship is not a one-off. 
And so I, I want to be a part of that as far as information so I can promote it on my social media and make it, it, make uh, it more of a, a make the United States aware of it and it becomes an international event because it sounds pretty amazing. It sounds like something we should be doing over here. Uh, we do it in every state across Australia. So CEOs from all the major organizations come together for one night in every state across Australia. And we all do the sleep out individually in each state. I think this year it's going to be even more important for us because we have the devastation of the fires. Right. Um, which is which has displaced so many people, like so many people have obviously lost their homes. Um, so this year our efforts are going to be even stronger and the event's going to be even more important for us. Well, again, everything that you're doing is derived through your passion. What Because you say you lost your parents at an early age. What mm. did, did they create? Was the passion built through your relationship with your parents or after they left your life, you found your passion? No, I think at a very early age, I always knew that I had a calling to be in service and to help others. And that was innate in me. As a child, I remember like taking personal items from my parents' home and giving them away to people who I thought were poorer than us. And my parents saying like, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I thought thought they needed the ham more than we did, or I thought they needed the clothing more than we did. So it was always innate in me. Um, when my parents passed away in my early 20s, obviously I had to, you know, I was literally orphaned and I had to uh, economically be able to um, survive and thrive. And um, and that led me into a really tenacious work ethic of understanding that I'm on my own and I've really got to work to make it here. And then, of course, vehicle has become the vehicle for me to um, really have such great success in the work that I do and service serving and helping others. Um, And I think success breeds success. Like the more work that I do and the more women that I serve and the more people that I help, um, the more opportunities seem to appear to be able to do this work. Let me ask you this because, you know, as I listen, one of the qualities I try to bring to my show is just we're just in conversation. And in conversation, you tend to sit back and listen to your guests. And when I listen to you, you know, it's just... It just seems like you, you give so much of your time. Do you have time for yourself? Have anybody ever asked you that question? What do you, what do you give back well, to you, Miss Mays? Yeah, I do. I actually live a really amazing life by design. I have organized my work in a way that um, I'm able to live a really great quality of life. Right. I have a 12-year-old son, Somerset, who's sitting beside me right now. And um, after we finish this interview, we're about to go on to a construction site and show a woman a property. Um, I do live in service, but I found a way to, you know, like people have this distinction, oh, this is my work, and then separate, this is my life. Um, I have that distinction too, but I found a way to make the two marry together. And when I spend time with my clients, it's just as pleasant as spending time with people in my personal life. But I do live a life by design and I believe in self-care and I try to model self-care for my son. I mean, obviously having parents who both passed away at 59 is incentive for me to really have a high level of self-care. Um, so, yes, I do. I have, um, I have lots of great quality personal time, particularly with my son. Um, but I'm very dedicated to the work because there's just so much work to be done in Absolutely. the space here in Australia. Absolutely. Um, a financial literacy for women. You know, because people, they say that about me. So it's not nothing uh, 
You know, that, I just throwing it back at you because I, I love what I do. I love that, you know, people say, Rashad, what time do you go to bed? I said, I usually go to bed by midnight. What time do you get up at 4 o'clock? <laughs> oh, God! What do you, what do you know? You're going to wear it? No, because I love what I do. And in fact, I, I tell people all the time, if I could figure out a way not to go to sleep, I'd be happy. That means I would just yeah. be constantly just doing things that I love to do. But unfortunately, yeah. I have stayed up at the most, I think, about 54 hours in, in a row. And I was vibrating. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was literally just shaking, and uh, finally my wife said, you, "You stop. You need to stop." Okay, and I and I say that because of the fact that if you're passionate about something, if you're driven by something, whether you might consider it work, if you can, if it's a passion, it's considered something that you've been blessed to to deliver to somebody. It's something to make somebody's life better, and that seems like you said that's your calling. That's you've been called to do this. It's, it's almost like a minister yeah. being called to the altar to preach. But you're called to the altar to make change, to, to, to create a more positive life because you have a positive life. And that's called helping someone to have a better life than, your, than you. I See, you understood that at a very early age. I didn't understand that until I got older that, you know, that I could, I could share, that I could, that I could actually help. You, for some reason in your brain, it clicked that, you know something, I don't really need this, but you probably need it more. So here. And your parents are looking like, hey, 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 hey. hey you got to watch her. Yeah. Lock everything down. She gonna give us. She gonna give everything away. She gonna give away the refrigerator. It's very true. It's very true. I gave away my my mother's nightgown, our ham for the family, our clothing, our food. All the time, I would just get our stuff and say. Actually, I would tell them that my parents told me to give it to them, which wasn't one hundred percent accurate at the time. But. Right. Um, <laughs> I love it. We're talking with Marion Mays from Australia. We'll be right back with more money making conversations. It's fantastic. She is a she is a friend that I discovered on LinkedIn, and she's a friend for life. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She got Rashad in her life. I might show up on her doorstep. I might be at the CEO sleep out. The winter sleep out in June. You know me. I'm crazy like that. We'll be right back with more. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. And follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. My guest is live on the phone. It's in the morning. Where she's at uh, in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. You know, I have to, I have to change my, I have to articulate it in a different way when you say Australia. Because the Lord knows if I was in Houston, Texas, I said Australia. I just mess it all up. But Marion May, she's on the phone. And one of the things that drew my, drew, created a relationship that I have with her, it was through LinkedIn, was that her passion, and especially her passion for the education of women through financial literacy. And one of the things that you, that I read, I, I actually clipped out of one of her posts and just pasted over there where she wrote about, in my direct experience, more than 90% of women I encounter in my work do not have a current will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll just set the scene for you guys over there um, in terms of what is the, the climate, the economic climate here in Australia. So, you know, we have the gender pay gap, that's real, in Australia for women. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, um, we don't have financial literacy as part of our national academic framework in Australia. So what I mean by that is financial literacy is not taught in primary schools or high schools or college over here. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, we have successful women, you know, who work and have professional careers. 
um, and earn money, but they don't necessarily have financial literacy. Um, and so I run live events across the country in Melbourne and Sydney and up north. Right. Um, and every time I run an event, uh, one of the questions I ask is for all the women in the room to raise their hand to see if they've got a simple basic thing like a will in place. Um, and those stats are pretty accu- accurate. I always have a room full of raised hands mm-hmm. um, with all of these women who just don't even have a basic will in place. Now, because of that, what does that say about the education? Is it needed? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to speak in a, in a like I know it all format. So I kind of speak. Yeah, safe. yeah, sure. So, um, well, I think uh, this is how I came to do this work. So I used to work in financial services in a corporate capacity, in an executive level capacity, and I saw in our industry in Australia, in the financial services industry, we had all of these financial planners. Right, But we also, simultaneously, we also had statistics that said women over 55 are the fastest growing um, demographic of homelessness. And nobody, most women don't have financial literacy, regardless of whether they have a college degree or not. Um, So, yes, it's needed. I mean, it should be in our primary schools. It should be in our secondary schools. Um, because it's as fundamental and as basic as home economics, like cooking. Right. Um, but we don't, we don't have it as a mandatory subject in our education system. And so five years ago, I left the corporate world on a wing and a prayer, and I said to all my colleagues, I'm going to start a company based on financial literacy. <laughs> and they all said, you're crazy mad. Um, there's no such thing as running a company for financial literacy. You're going to be committing commercial, um, you know, suicide. You shouldn't do this. And five years later, um, we've been successfully teaching women around Australia financial literacy. And these are professional, normal, everyday women like me. Right. Now, well, you know, you left something that made sense to me. I left IBM to go be a comedian. So, you know, it was a lot (laughs) of people looked at me a little bit more skeptical, you know. (laughs) <laughs> at least you had a plan. At least, at least, at least the word financial was in your departure title. My title was comedian. <laughs> yeah, but but it's just as crazy if you think about it. Because my colleagues are like, so you're gonna bring adults into a room, right? Into a board, into a boardroom, and then you're gonna try and tell adults they need to learn financial literacy, and you want people to come voluntarily and pay for this. And I was like, yep. Yep. That's the model. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them know they're stupid, and I'm going to actually make them pay for it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what you. That's what. That's what you did, and you, you're successful at it. Uh, you know, uh, you, you you almost have me about to ready to buy a ticket for Australia for the month of June. That's how good you are. You have a skill, Miss Mays, that that uh, that causes people to look at you and go, where, how much, when. That's it which is really gifted. That's, and you should never walk away from that skill because it's a blessing. And the fact that you, you're turning that skill into trying to educate women who have a gender pay gap issue, mm-hmm. which, the, mm-hmm. hey, you can have wills. You should mm-hmm. invest in property. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. and, and because it's not just in Australia. It's, it's, it's in the United States. Okay, it's the same issue. Yeah. Same issue. Yeah, it's an epidemic. Yeah. It's a social epidemic across the Western world. I think there's a few countries who have found solutions. But right now, as we speak, I'm outside a construction site and I'm meeting a client in about half an hour. And just to share her story, she's um, in her late 40s. 
and she doesn't have enough money to retire. You know, we say here in Australia, if you want to live off, you know, 50,000 Australian dollars a year, you need about a million dollars invested in super. Or if you want to live off 100,000 a year, you need about $2 million invested in superannuation. Um, this woman doesn't have that. She's 49 years old. And so we're just about, after this interview, we're going to go onto a construction site and we're going to view a property that she will potentially invest in um, for the long term so that when she is 60 years of age, um, she will have more money than what she is presently on track to have just in her superannuation alone. Uh, in Australia, basically, our employers are mandated to pay 9% of your total salary into a super retirement fund. Right. But you can do the you can do the math, and this didn't start until quite late for a lot of women. You can do the math. Nine percent of an average salary in Australia over their working life is not going to be sufficient money to retire. Absolutely. So, um, so I have started a campaign here in Australia. We're just launching it this year. It's my new project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Property for Women, and the concept behind it is that every single woman, regardless of her social background, demographic status, religion, colour, earning capacity, every single woman should own one piece of real estate, one property in her own name. Um, And that's a new project that we're launching this year, so I'm really excited. Um, And the spirit behind that is that to have one piece of real estate in your own name in Australia means that you can borrow money against it. Um, You'll always have a roof over your head. You can rent it out to earn an income, and it really is that preventative tool to poverty and homelessness and even financial abuse, which has become a big thing in recent years here in Australia. Absolutely. Now, okay, I hear your tone. I hear your passion. Do you have the naysayers out there, the, the male naysayers, you know, that call you a rebel rouser, that, uh, that try to... <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, yeah, so for five years, really, my whole industry... Um, because financial... She out there trying to smarten up them women, trying to smarten them up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not really conducive to... um, It's not really conducive for financial planners for me to be educating women on financial matters. So, yes, I mean, for five years, I've not really been embraced by my original industry. Um, But last year, I was very lucky. That kind of shifted. I um, was the lucky recipient of... Um, a national, a prestigious national award in my industry. And for the first time in five years, my work was really, and the legacy that I'm trying to create was really recognized. Um, but I think my clients experience it more because um, really interesting, my clients tell me that when they first meet me and they have low financial literacy, they don't have much confidence. And then all of a sudden, you know, within six months, they're investing in property and they're saving money and they're buying shares. <laughs> It's the people around them, the men at work, the people in their life saying, what are you doing? And they're saying, well, you know, I met this woman and I'm doing this. And, and the skepticism kicks in and, you know, you should be careful. And, right. you right. know, <laughs> you don't know what kind of investments you're putting her into. And, right. Um, so so absolute, absolutely. And I think we fear anything we don't really understand. But I also think in this country, there's a conditioning and a comfort. So I'll give you an example, maybe shocking, but it's true. In Australia, the gender pay gap is so real that in the financial services sector, we have the biggest gender pay cap across all uh, professions. So, for example, if I was still working in corporate, I would be doing the same job as a man, but I would earn 25% less than what he would. Sounds very familiar over here. Okay. 
Just oh, know. All right. Okay. Just, so, just, just so know that you're not saying anything new in the United States. You know, my my executive <laughs> producer, she's sitting over here next to me, going, "Yes, that's that's very very true, very true." So okay. join join the so club. So we say property. We say property is the great equalizer to that because Absolutely. property has no discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get women investing in property, then we can close mm-hmm. the gender pay gap. Well, you know, the thing about it is that, I first of all, I'm enjoying this interview. And thank you again for calling me from Australia early in the morning. It was comfortable in the afternoon over here. Just to, just to let people know that the information you're giving to me is very relatable to the listeners in the United States or any other country because cause mm-hmm. women are are regulated to, a, to secondary citizens in so many different ways. And it's always been the case. And so mm-hmm. through change is happening, but it's not happening rapidly enough as, as in racial situations as well. But, but one yeah. key thing I wanted to bring you on the phone to talk about, what are the key factors to getting unstuck and in your eyes, getting unstuck and building wealth? Mm. Mm, absolutely. So I think the first thing is, I mean, the work that we always do with women, which is a little bit abstract because it doesn't happen in the financial services uh, um, industry here, is we look at their mindset and we look at their subconscious beliefs and we look at their story. And so we actually work with them on that level. What is the story that you hold about yourself, about your conditioning from your past, from the family you came from, from the hood that you grew up in? What is the story that you have that tells you what is possible for your life and what is not possible? We work at that level first. So it's really about behavioral science and mindset. So I think that's the first thing, to really challenge your beliefs and the story that you're telling yourself about what's possible. I think my life is an example of, you know, I just grew up in a, um, a normal suburb and my parents unfortunately passed early and I was on my own, but I'm self-made and I'm financially independent and I'm successful. And I always say to women, I didn't have many of the opportunities um, that they did. I didn't have the opportunity to finish uh, my university degree in law. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to have the financial support of my parents for those additional years so I could study. Um, but I was able to do it. And um, so I think the first step, number one, is you have to look at your belief system right. and your subconscious beliefs because that really is driving all of your behavior. Ninety. You know, 95% of all decisions we make are made in the subconscious brain without us even realizing. The second thing I say is you have to have basic financial literacy. This whole idea, and I don't know if there's a trend there like in America like there is here, but this whole idea of going to some guru who tells you, listen, I'm a guru and you don't really understand anything about money and you should just blindly trust me mm-hmm. and I'll invest your money and it'll be okay. Um, what I say is that's actually not okay. And so the second thing you need is financial literacy because as human beings, we never do or we fear something we don't understand. When we have more information and when we understand something, then we develop confidence to do it. And the critical thing, like if I could give anyone listening um, a message, the message would be, that there is no amount, you know, we're all wired for hard work. I certainly was. I mean, I came from a family who had amazing work ethic. Right. We're wired, we're wired and we're told as children in our education system and throughout our lives that we need to be good people and that we need to work really hard. And if we work really hard, then we can make money. Um, and what I would say to people is that is maybe true in part, but no amount of hard work and no amount of salary income is going to make you financially independent or wealthy. It's buying assets 
that go up in value over time um, is the only way to build wealth. And you can read any book. I mean, you've got some great wealth mentors over there right. mm-hmm. um, who have published amazing books. The, the only way for anybody to get ahead is to buy assets that go up in value over the course of their working life right. um, as a means to financial independence and to building wealth. So I would say they're the three critical points. And the first point in coming unstuck is really sitting down and getting real about the story that you're telling yourself about what's possible for your life. Awesome. Mary Mays, thank you again for taking the time. Um, I have a book coming out in 2021 in January. Uh, One of the locations I want to come is to Melbourne. So uh, you will see me at... You may see me early. I may I might come to the, the CEO. There is out. an open invitation for you here. <laughs> yeah. I know. And if, if I keep talking to you, you're going to get me to come I, to. I will, get, I will provide the sleeping bag see? for you. I will bring the sleeping bag for you and the pillow for you. Oh and you can, spend the night, you can spend the night with some of Melbourne's greatest CEOs with the biggest hearts who okay. raise tens of millions of dollars. Okay. Um, for the St. Vincent de Paul Society. So there's an open invitation for you. Okay, and I, we're going to talk because I might come. Seriously, I might come. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time and tell your son hi and keep keep the world straight on that side of the, that part of the world, okay? I'll do my best. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Oh, you're awesome, Mary. Thanks. Mace.